Achenu, Shir number five, Masachat Peya, chapter five. I at least am feeling that if I could pop on a plane and go to Israel and help our holy sweet farmers pick their crops, it would be a wonderful thing to do to participate in the in the war effort and keeping Israeli society together. But we can't do that because we are in Chutz Laaretz. But at the very least, we can learn the Mishnayot and our desire to learn the agricultural laws should bring blessings to the land of Israel. So we were speaking about Leket, and the Mishnah continues, There's a pile of grain that has underneath it Leket that was not collected by the poor. Whatever's touching the floor, because it's fallen down, that belongs already to the poor people, which is not going to be so much. But here the rabbis did something clever. The farmer was sneaky. He covered over what belonged to the poor with his stuff to try and hide them and get hide it so the poor wouldn't collect it. So the rabbis say the whole bottom layer of your pile is now considered leket, and you have to give all that away to the poor. What happens now? The wind blew, and the wind scattered the bundles of grain over the field, causing the grain from the bundles to become mixed with the leket. You just don't know. So now the farmer's a victim. So omdim also kama leket he So to work out to his field. How much would be a reasonable estimation of how much this field would have produced in Leket? And then we give it to the poor people. Since we can't actually know, we have to base it on an estimation. But we're not finished yet. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, he says, No sin la'anim The farmer gives stalks to the poor according to the amount of Leket that falls in an average field. That is a field that is neither specifically dry or especially moist. In such a field, there's a quantity for cabin. Google it to find out how much is there of leket fall in an area large enough to plant a core of seeds. And there's a nest you can work it out. The equation can be worked out. Now, usually if a farmer overlooks a stalk of grain while harvesting a field, that's called shichacha, because shachach, he forgot about it, and it must be left to the poor. So now, obviously, the rabbi is going to discuss when is a forgotten stalk not forgotten. Typical Jewish question. The stalk of grain was overlooked and it was left in the harvested section of a field. But it's close enough to the section of the field that wasn't yet harvested. So do we assume that because he hasn't harvested the other half of the field, he was going to come back to the section because it was close enough, or do we not? But if the tip of this standing grain was bent over and it will reach the area where the other grain has not yet been harvested, then... If it's close enough that it can be held together with what's standing in the section that you haven't yet harvested, it all belongs to the owner. We just look at it as if it was left to be harvested with the next section and the farmer has not forgotten about it. The imlav, and if it can't be grabbed and harvested, then it belongs to the poor because clearly in this case the farmer actually forgot and he can't do any tricks, no shtick in this farm. Terrible situation. If a single stalk of leket was not collected by the pot, and now it's been mixed up in a pile of non-leket produce, what do you do? Because you've got something in there that doesn't belong to you, but you can't work out what it is. Ma says The farmer separates maaser from one stalk from the pile and gives the stalk to a poor person. In exchange, the poor person grants the farmer the stalk of leket, so the entire pile now belongs to the farmer. Now remember, this giving food isn't taxed, so the lost stalk of whatever it was growing in the ground of Leket doesn't have to be tithed, because the whole point is looking after the poor people. 
and therefore the farmer must replace it with a stalk that is likewise exempt from tithing. Since he gives the poor person a random stalk from the pile, which may or may not be the stick that got lost, he has to now tithe it, free it from any obligations, and the poor person can go off and enjoy his grains. Amar Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, no, that doesn't work. How can this poor person perform an exchange with something that never came into his possession? Since the poor person never got the stick of Leket in the first place, how can he give it to the owner? It, has to, it doesn't belong to him. Ella, what happens instead? The farmer should give ownership of the entire pile of grain to the poor person. So this is obviously a legalistic experience because he's not going to give away his, all his hard work. So the poor person now takes possession of the unidentified stalk of Leket together with the rest of the pile. And the farmer separates Misa from a single stalk and gives it to the poor person. And in exchange, the poor person gives back the pile and everything is good. She gives the whole pile to the poor person. And he just takes tithings from one stick and gives it to the poor person. One may not channel water to flood his field before the poor obviously have collected the leket from the field because obviously you're going to then damage it for all the poor people. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. But the sages say, that's no, it's not a problem. Because it's possible to assess any damage the poor might suffer and give them compensation and therefore you're not really causing significant damage that you can't sort out afterwards. Wealthy owner, traveling from place to place, he runs out of food. Now, he's not a poor person, he's a wealthy person. This guy's really starving, he's got no food. And he now has to take these gifts that are given to the poor in order to look after himself till he comes home. He told he may take them, even though he's got plenty of money in the bank back at home. When he comes back home, he has to pay for what he took. That's, that's one option. The rabbis say, It doesn't matter if he's got money somewhere else. Right now, in his current situation, he does not have access to his money. So he has the status of a poor person and he does not need to pay back the owner because at that moment he was objectively in desperate need and needed food. If a farmer exchanges ordinary produce with poor people, that they collected. He is exempt from separating Truma, which goes to the Kohen, the, the Maisa, which will go from his case to the Levi, because these portions remain exempt from these particular obligations of taxes, even if the poor give them to other people. Okay, so that's an interesting law to remember in agricultural laws. But the farmer is obligated to separate Truma, to the current mice to the levy from the produce that now belongs to the poor he must tithe the ordinary produce before he gives it to the poor person because these items are not the general categories of leket shikhal pair so the poor person normally wouldn't have to bother with any of those things but when he's giving ordinary produce they are obligated in these tithes and that's consequently the owner must sort them out before he gives it to the poor person what if the farmer is poor can he take his own produce no, he has to leave them for other poor people to take. Two poor people rented a field as sharecroppers. What happens is you rent a field and you pay for it by giving the owner a percentage of what the field produces. 
It depends on local custom and how well things go. Two people, two poor people in this case, rented a field jointly as a recent, as, yeah, it's sharecroppers. Neither may keep the gifts to the poor from the share of the produce because a sharecropper is considered an owner. And if you're an owner, you're not a poor person. So what you can do instead is, Rabbi is very creative. You can just swap. Each sharecropper owns only his share and no share in the other guy's field. So they can just take from each other's fields and give it to each other and that way they can benefit. A poor person was hired to harvest the field and is paid with the percentages of the crop. He can't take any of those things for himself because he's now got a, got a field. I'm Rabbi Huda, Eimatai. When would this be true that he can't take anything? When he was hired by the owner for a share of the crop, for example, he was promised a half, a third, or a quarter of the crop. And then he is the owner of the crop at that time, and consequently he can't then take the crop as a poor person. Aval, here's the big Aval. However, if he said to him, After you harvest the field, a third of what you harvest shall be yours. Then he can take all the various portions that go to the poor person because at the time of the harvest, he didn't own anything. After you've harvested, then you can take. But when you're harvesting, it didn't belong to you, so you are objectively a poor person at that time. But even in this case, he can't keep the tithe that, was, that would be given. You have Masa Shani, which has to be taken to Shalim. Then on the third and the sixth year, you have to give, rather than going to Jerusalem with your crops, you have to give the good, the 10% to the poor people, he would not be allowed to take it because my ta'ani is separated after the harvest is finished. And after the harvest is finished, he now owns the crop and he can't therefore take it. Hamochet sadeo, someone who sells, someone who plants a crop, but then sells his field before it's harvested. And the buyer then harvests the crop. Only the person who owns the field when the crop is harvested is forbidden to take leket shikhal but I guess you, the, the planting, the planter of those things can take it. Hamochemuta, the seller, is permitted to collect these portions from the field if he is poor. But the buyer is forbidden even if he is poor. A person may not hire a worker to harvest his field on condition that the worker's son, who is poor, be allowed to follow him and pick up what he drops. It's a bit of a sneaky stick. You're not allowed to do that. Someone who does not let poor people collect those gifts. He says, no, you can and you can't. So there's a bit of favoritism, nepotism, whatever ism is going on here. He's helping one, but doesn't have any others. He's robbing the poor of what they are allowed to take. Do not violate the boundary of the poor. Don't withhold from the poor, which is rightfully theirs. Mishnah 7. Penultimate Mishnah in this chapter. What happens is the bundle is forgotten by the workers, but the owner didn't forget it. The owner forgot it, but the workers knew it was there. Or a different case. Poor people stood in front of the bundle and covered it with straw so they can, the owners couldn't see it. And then it was left behind. They tried to be sneaky. That's not shikhara because objectively it wasn't forgotten. It's just a, you know, being hidden from the rightful owner. Another case. Someone is collecting bundles of produce in a hat-shaped heaps. 
cover. Ol chum tsaot or hidden heaps, lecharara pancaked heaps, velamarim small bundles. Ain lo shikha. Why? If while transporting the bundles, he forgets one, the forgotten bundle is not shikha because the bundles are not yet being gathered together for the final time. They're only heaped up temporarily into a smaller pile, then it'll be collected later. Menuvelagorin, but however, when he is bringing bundles from one of these heaps to the threshing floor, where they'll start processing what's been harvested, because this is the final place where the grain is gathered. So if he forgets a bundle, he now must leave it for the poor people. Someone is gathering bundles of produce into a large pile, and his intention is to leave them there for immediate threshing. He won't start processing the grain. He doesn't want to move it to the threshing floor. Then, because in this case, it's different because this is the final destination and he forgets it here, that's all over. But from that pile to the threshing floor, because the law of shikha can only apply to one transfer of bundles. Since in this case, the law applied while the grain was being transferred to the pile, it doesn't apply later on, even if it's being moved. Because the fact that it applied the first time around means that this was the destination that he wanted to go to. And we're going to finish the Mishnah with a klal, with a principle. You take a bundle, bundles to pile them up, in a, which is the final destination of this particular amount of crops. Then, if he forgets it there, the laws would apply and the poor people could come and take. If he changes his mind, then moves the bundle from that place to another place in order to thresh them. Because they are already obligated previously. If you move it to a place just temporarily, then the laws don't apply. You haven't finished the produce. But once you get to the threshing floor, the laws of Shikha would apply. That was long, but it's a chuptala mishnah for the merit of our brothers and sisters in Israel. Take care.